0: Hello, everyone. My guest today is Adalberto Flores. He's the CEO of Queski, the fastest micro-leading service for Latin in America. Adalberto is a seasoned executive with experience in the financial and software industries. Before funding his new venture, Queski, Adalberto started, grew, and managed all operations of Oyala, Mexico, the largest international division of Oyala. Adalberto, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thomas,
1: thank you very much for having me, and congratulations on the podcast, the Entrepreneur Insight. I really like the... Uh, the initiative and i look forward to uh chatting with you.
0: Thank you so much man. So you have had great success as an executive but also as an entrepreneur in your past but also current career. So tell the audience and tell us a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are today. Um i think
1: um i think it's uh it all started when i was small uh when i was young. Uh i think i was like 8 years old and um I, I wanted to, b- to buy a uh, couple of toys. And uh, I remember my father said that if he gave me those toys free of cost, I would never value how important it is or how difficult it is to actually earn money with your own work. So um, he said he was gonna give me the tools so I could actually work with him um, and uh, kind of like in the house and 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 just like, like learn about working um, uh, ethic, if I can put it this way. And then and then I could earn money so I can buy those toys. And I remember when that happened, I it was it was so difficult and it took me so much time for me to work and buy those toys. So I I'm like, oh boy, I think I I, I I wanna I think I wanna save that money and, and continue working and maybe and, and then um you know maybe I can I can buy a bigger toy. Um and then when that happened and when I had the money when I had the money for the bigger toy, I, I was like, you know, like this this actually you know like work is actually difficult so what about if i can i can invest that money and um and I told my father hey you know like I, I've heard about you you doing kind of like investing in the stock market and um you know i I'm, I'm I'm only you know like eight to ten years old I don't remember what the exact age but i I cannot invest for that what about if I give you the money I earned and you you can help me invest in, into the stock market uh so he helped me invest into the stock market I started kind of like the, you know um doing it um he started reporting you know, what happened with the stock market. And I kind of like started understanding the uh, the implications of the compa- compound interest. And then um I started managing my my sister's money and I reported to her on, on a monthly basis. Um, you know, and you know, the results of her money invested into the stock market. So I think I kind of like um I I I I thought about um um and then at the same time I was also kind of like uh, you know I got I bought some candies and sold them in the kind of like in the neighborhood and, and make some original money from that. So I think it was a combination between kind of like my father um uh teaching me uh work ethics, um, teaching me how to, you know, the the importance of getting you know, like like you know, working uh for money and, and saving money and investing the money and managing the money and um and, and just in general, kind of like the, you know, um you know that uh you need to work hard if you want to, you know, buy stuff or, or you're gonna you know, in in this case it was toys, but um um it, you know uh you have to you know, it's it's actually difficult
0: right so so that actually yeah.
1: affected my life in in many aspects and, and that's how i i got started
0: got it no i loved it and i think that's actually really great um basically an initiative from your parents that they you know said you know if you want this work for it and i think that's the best way to to actually learn it mm-hmm. yeah um, absolutely so, so, what does just for the listeners to understand it? So, what does the company Quesky do, and how do you make money?
1: yeah, so so we um, um our goal is that we actually get give access to financial services to um the middle class of mexico. um and then once we you know you know finish doing that or we we uh, we are at the specific stage of the company. We, we're, our goal is that we actually expand to other parts of Latin America. Um, and um, the way you can give access to financial services, um, there's a bunch of ways you can do that, but we decided that we wanted to start giving access to people through credit because credit is, um, it's, um, the potential of credit is incredible. Like you can actually, if you give access to credit to micro entrepreneurs, um, they can build their own businesses or so they can continue growing their businesses and and then they can grow it financially themselves. So, um, um, and um, and in terms of the credit products um, that we started with, we currently have two products. We have a direct lending product um, uh, that people can go into the website uh, or the mobile app and they can apply for a loan. Um, they fill out the questionnaire and we give them a loan somewhere between, you know, from $25 up to almost $1,000. It's a micro loan for micro, um, you know, the biggest segment of our customers are micro entrepreneurs. And then mm-hmm. the other product that we have is a purchase finance product or a point of sale financing product, similar to Klarna in Europe or, um, or a firm in the United States. Um, or afterpay uh, in, in, in one aspect in, in, in Australia, and, um, and what we do is we um, we go and, and uh, we integrate into the checkouts of uh, merchants, um, online merchants, and we enable to you know uh, customers to buy things online even though they don't have a credit card or if uh, if, uh, if you if you if you don't want to use a credit card. And um, both products are really relevant in Mexico. Um, so, just as a context, of 82% of the people in Mexico do not have a, a credit card, and 60% wow. of the people in Mexico do not have a debit card. So Holy shit, um, I didn't know that. giving I that. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's uh, in, a, in a country with, uh, you know, with more than 125 mi- million people, I think uh, uh, there's a significant opportunity to, to give access to financial services.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, <clears throat> um, when when you build up the company, you know, it's it's always or it's never easy to build a company like that, especially kind of like in the fintech industry. So, give us your top three resources that have helped you along the way to build up that company successfully and also raise a lot of money successfully.
1: Um, yeah. So I would say, um, I was able to surround myself with a, with a lot of mentors um and um and uh, it's either mentors or people that i uh, i built a friendship with or i used to work with before um that enabled me to just kind of like understand the challenges that we were going to be facing in the future and these challenges could be from just like you know building a company and structuring the company so you can actually raise capital from investors and and build the stock option pool and recruiting executives uh from the technologies we use we use machine learning um and AI to the really credit underwriting um, in a matter of seconds um, and those technologies are are complicated, but uh, we used to work in in, in Ouya, uh, which uses machine learning technology as well, so it was easier you know for us to kind of like learn from there how to you know how to apply that to you know credit and financial services um, so I think that was that was relevant. Um, I think uh, in in my case um, I also have I, I was able to have a connection with, um, you know, uh, because I used to work in, in Riala, I spent um, in Riala, Mexico, I spent uh, one month of my time in the United States, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, uh, just like kind of like reporting to the headquarters. So I was able to build the network there. And, and, and one of the investors that initially invested in, the, in our sea grounds was somebody that I, I met in the Bay Area. And I actually started building a relationship with him in the Bay area. And he's the one that actually led the seed round. And, and that, that trickled down towards, uh, you know, us being able to, to raise a, uh, you know, a subsequent financing round. Um, mm-hmm. And then moreover, in terms of, um, you know, like as a fintech company and as, as specifically as a lending company, I, I think that um, uh, like the, the values that we have as a company and that, that you know, we as a founding team, um, you know, kind of like uh, implemented into the company and, and and actually looked for in the company are very important for, um, for financial services companies. So um, prudence is one of the values. So we're pr- like um, in credit is a very tricky uh, product because if you want to grow, you sometimes uh, sacrifice credit quality and making sure you have a prudent team. Um, on the not only on the credit perspective but also on the regulatory perspective on uh there's a bunch of um areas that you need to be very prudent that was that was that was very critical and then just like making sure that we are um, very much looking forward to kind of like um, complying with every single law and uh and and making sure that we did everything correctly um and um and there you know for us it's a uh, there's uh law is it's black so it's it's more black and white that is that it is gray zones like we try to we try to make sure that uh, we want to you know do things correctly and 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 be in peace in peace with ourselves and we try to do things with uh with you know with high integrity and high on our ability um and um and uh and those pieces of the cultures uh, it's really important in a company um, where, you know, like right now we're probably, you know, close to having 300 people working in the company. We've actually lent um, wow. more than 2.5 million. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we've lent more than 200, 2, 2.5 million loans through a platform, which is more than $300 million that we've actually lent. So, so, um, uh, you know like uh it's a, it's you know as companies grow and as companies scale um and especially as a lending company making sure you're prudent and you have high integrity um is actually really
0: important got it got it so during your journey can can you name us um three people except your family that have been most influential to you during your journey
1: um yeah absolutely so so i would say um um when I, I used to live in China, I was I was uh, I, I I traveled to China in 2004 and 2005. Where in China um, did you live? I was actually in Shanghai. Oh I, nice! I I've been Shanghai.
0: there too. Been there too. Oh nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love
1: Shanghai. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah so I, I, I you know China joined the you know WTO WTO uh, I mean the WTO the World Trade Organization. I think it was in the year 2001. And uh, I was like, I think China is gonna be a relevant uh, country for the global economy. Um, so I think I'm, I might just go and try to learn Chinese. Um, and uh, so I went to China and, and um, I, bumped in, I bumped into an investor from, um, he's, uh, from, from the United States um, um, and uh, his name is Daryl Brookstein. And uh, I, t- I told him, hey, I know you're trying to do research of, on, on nanotechnology in China. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go to China, um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I can offer your, you, know, you know, for free, um, you know, doing research for you on what's happening in nanotechnology in China, because nobody uh, in United, you know, a lot of people in the United States speak about nanotechnology in China, but nobody actually knows about what's happening in China. So he, I, I did that for free. He became my mentor, and he helped me, and he coached me, and, and I think I learned a bunch of him. Uh, so his name is Gerald Brooksing, and then that's one person. And then the other person is like um, the founder um, of Uyala, um, the fa- the, like the founding CEO of Uyala. And he's currently the CEO of a company called Wi-Fi, which has probably like about 500 you know, engineers here in Guadalajara. It's a company uh, here in Guadalajara. And, um, and uh, his name is Bismarck Lepe. Um, uh, he's a, a Mexican entrepreneur born in near Los Angeles. That lives in the bay area uh, he's a serial entrepreneur and i think i was up uh, you know before i joined the company he was my mentor i had a previous company before joining Uyala, and he was our mentor and uh, and and he became my manager and my leader when i was working in the company and then once i left the company he became the investor of questy uh my current company so so i think he was very very influential and and he was uh, he coached me a bunch of stuff and i, I learned a lot about building companies and recruiting people and building products and managing investors and things like that. And then the uh, last, but certainly not least, um, I would say Shinya Akamine. He's a, a Japanese, um, he, he, used to be, he used to be a Japanese um, uh, investor and entrepreneur uh, when he was born in Japan early, you know, and then early in his childhood, he, he moved to uh, the United States, and um, he he became my mentor when I was working in Yala. and he's the one that actually led the the seed round uh, of Questi, and he he helped uh-huh. me build, you know raise the initial seed in financing round, and he helped me raise some of the best you know like find you know like raise raise more capital from other investors from the United States um, on subsequent financing rounds, and uh, he was just um, when I say he was, it's because he he passed away. Uh, a couple of months ago, so so that was a big loss for me. But um, he was just a, an incredible person and an incredible professional. Um, so he was not only a very successful person; he was one of the founders of Postini, which was acquired by Google um, for a little bit more than six hundred million dollars. But um, uh, he was a uh, and he was a very um, you know really good investor. He had, he he was partner of, of a fund called Core Ventures Group, based in San Francisco. But at the same time. He was he was a fantastic person, and he really cared about values like integrity and and gender uh, inclusion and, and and gender opportunity and diversity and and you know like, like he was he was just like he, he he was those type of successful and nice people that wanted to make the world a better place and yeah. uh, and I think he influenced the company and the culture a lot. So he was also very important.
0: you Got it. Got it. Well, that sounds like three super interesting, super interesting people. But let's jump. Let's jump back to you. What do you think um, that your core trait is that has helped you to become successful?
1: Um, I would say, um, uh, I would say curiosity. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a very curious person, uh, and I try to. When I, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think I read a lot and, um and uh, I think when, whenever I have a question, I just go and ask people. Yeah. Like, uh, and whenever I have, you know, like, uh, um, yeah, so curiosity was it's a strong one. Like, I, I, I think I, I identify, identify myself with you, Thomas, a lot, because you've mentioned uh, when, that one of the reasons you started this podcast was because you, were, you, you used to speak with a lot of a lot of very successful people, and you wanted to kind of like record that. Um, and uh, so, so I think I think I'm I, I feel myself like I'm I'm very curious and very kind of like proactive and just going and either you know reading about the specific topic or just like you know, kind of like going and approaching people and, and speaking with them. So I, that's actually a, an incredible trait. Um, I would say curiosity, and then the other one I would say it's 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 um, it's resilience or uh, some people would say like grit. So mm-hmm. basically um, I, you know, like, uh, you know, being a founder um, is incredibly difficult. And I, I, I'm, it just, yeah. I'm, when I, like, I'm not, you know, this is the first, you know, you know, Questy is the first company that I've actually raised a uh, you know, significant amount of uh, funding and institutional investing, et but I've been trying different types of companies before. And it's, um, and, and the reality is that being a founder um, in most of the cases, it's actually humiliating um, because you want to raise capital from investors and they turn you down. You want to recruit executives and you turn you down. You want to sell your product to customers and tu- they turn you down. So sometimes, um, you know, entrepreneurs portray themselves as heroes but and, and that's, it's actually a fantastic lifestyle. But the reality is it's pretty much humiliating and, and hard work and, and, and you know what I mean? So I think you need to have a bunch of resilience as well um and um yeah i, I think uh and uh, yeah i think those are the kind of like, uh, the two ones that i think about
0: yeah no i think those are those are co- good or really good quad trades so just we're running out of time here, really quickly i want to know where do you think that your industry goes first of all in the next five years and then in the next 30 years
1: um so i i i think um in the next five years i think we're going to start seeing a, a lot of uh, bundling. So fintech, fintech started as, a, as the unbundling of of a bank. So you saw companies focused on on uh, on a bunch of uh, you know like uh, you know somebody was focused on payments and some a company was focused on lending and company was focused on the wealth management. I think you're going to see a bunch of bundling and companies offering a lot of services themselves uh, and and essentially becoming kind of like plus I like banks or semi banks, if I could say it this way. And, um, so bundling is an important one. And then we're going to see the, the, you know, we're going to see big, big techs entering the space, either doing f- uh, financial services themselves or, or not, or partnering with other financial services. So we see, um, Google, Google with Google pay and they recently announced that we're going to be offering banking, uh, checking accounts and, and credits. Uh, you see Apple, partnering with Goldman Sachs, you have, you see Facebook with Facebook Pay and Calibra and Libra. Um, yeah. so you're, you're going to see, you're going to start seeing, you know, Uber, Uber money, things like that. So, so I, in the five years, I think that's going to happen. Um, and in 30 years, I believe that the most important industry in the next 30 years is going to be financial services. Um, and I think financial services is going to probably become kind of like a platform and, um, and, and it's, the line is going to be blurred. You know what I mean? Like it's um, um, it's, it's similar to what happened with uh with them you know like uh, you know you see Facebook. It started with media, uh, so Facebook essentially Facebook is kind of like a media company. Uh, that's actually their revenue model. But Facebook is much more than just a media company. It's a technology company. They do um, you know, it's a social network company. Has, you know, etc. So so I think I think uh, it, the line is going to be blurred. So it's financial services is going to be a fintech is going to be a platform and you're going to see it and every single or a bunch of companies are going to use it in order to leverage better products for the users
0: mm. yeah real, really good explanation I think that's uh, a yeah, very good explanation for everyone who doesn't know or who has not that much knowledge in the industry that's, that's really good so let's wrap this up here with the fantastic four question number one is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now
1: um I, I, I follow a bunch of CEOs, but um, there's somebody that I I follow with ultimate passion, which is not this. He's a vice chairman, and his name is Charlie Munger. He's a partner of Warren Buffett. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I read a book. That. Yeah, you know him. So, so I read a book called like a Poor Charlie's Almanac, and it's just that book changed my life. Um, so absolutely. So. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Charlie Munger, and I uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to have I want to have the opportunity to you know approach to Charlie Munger and asking for an autograph. Uh, I want uh, if I can once if I can see him. Um, so I'm a big fan of Charlie Munger and, and the way he builds mental models and his his lifestyle and how he leads and how he's just an incredible wise person. So I, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of Charlie Munger.
0: Got it. Okay. Next question. Do you have any routines that you strictly follow on a day-to-day basis?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, typically, I um, I try to you know probably five almost every single day or five days out of a seven-day week. I typically uh, try. I, I go on the treadmill and I I I run for like about forty-five minutes. And every time I run, I actually have a book. That I'm listening to through Audible, oh, great, um, so it's something that I always do. Yeah, exactly. And and that's how I, I continue reading. Like something being a CEO, you have a bunch of stuff you need to do, uh, so I typically do that a lot. Uh, I, I I read a lot, um, and I keep myself healthy. Uh, uh, you know, uh, so that's one point. One point. And then on on the on the Wednesdays, I try not to go to the office because I want to just go ahead and read. And think um, as a CEO and as a leader of the company. Um, and then on the weekends, um, I try to read a lot as well and just like uh, catch up on email. So those are kind of like the, the things that I typically do.
0: Got it. So the, the, the thing on Thursday is interesting to me. Is it kind of like a strategy session that you didn't do for yourself?
1: Yes, exactly. So, so what I do, what, what I try to do is um, uh, I say no meetings on Wednesday. Uh, I'm just going to be in my house, uh, just uh, either reading a book or thinking or having kind of meetings with people that are interesting or just on my computer and reading articles. So, so and just like, you know, uh, staying away from the day-to-day operations of the company to it's more like trying to think in the future. Um, what's going to happen in the next five years? What's going to happen in the next 30 years? And how are we positioning ourselves so it's becoming successful in, in those changes? Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like a self reflection type of uh, activity that I do.
0: Got it. No, no, I love that. That's great. What's your favorite social media platform for business and what do you specifically use it for?
1: Um, uh, interesting. That's an interesting question. So I am starting to like, and very recently, by the way, i'm starting to understand um how powerful it is for you to follow specific people in twitter and just learn how are they thinking on a day-to-day basis on uh um on on any specific aspect um so i i follow people like you know the typical ones like elon musk paul graham bill gurley um you know those people are they, they like they or like ben thompson like those people have interesting ideas. And just, you know, I, I, I follow their tweets and I, I get an alert every time they post something. And it's just interesting to see how they're thinking. They, they share articles and then I go and read those articles and those are typically interesting. So I, 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 like, uh, I like using Twitter a lot. But I, to be honest, I, I, I opened Twitter years ago, but I, I didn't learn about the interesting thing about that until just, uh, you, know, you know, a few months ago.
0: Got it, got it. Okay, last, last question, Alberto. What do you wish you would have started when you were 20 years old?
1: Uh, can, can you repeat the question again?
0: What do you wish you would have started when you were 20 years old?
1: Oh, so I, I wish I I would have read uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac when I was 21 years old. And mm-hmm. and I read it every single year from, from there, <laughs> um, oh, wow. remembering what it says. Yes. Crazy. Um, so, um, and then I, I, I wish, um, I, yeah, I, I wish I would have invested in, in, in Amazon stock. I, I should have like sold my car and invested in Amazon stock uh, when I was, uh-huh. um, when I was twenty-one years old. And I remember, uh, you know, Bitcoin. Even though I'm not a huge fan of cryptocurrencies. Um, uh, or at least, uh, I, 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 I like stable coins more than, uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, uh, but, I, but, uh, I think I, when Bitcoin was actually starting in the Bay area and, and the cost was actually really low, um, I, 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 I heard about Bitcoin and I kind of like, I my, my logic was like, well, that's interesting, but I'm, I'm not going to think about it until it's actually popular. Um, so I should have oh, just like invested yeah. like $1,000, you know, at, at that point of time. And then just like, kind of like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, like, uh, that, that could have been another interesting thing, but the, the reality, the reality is I, that's too material. Like the reality is I should have actually read poor Charles Almanac like, when I was 21 years old and read it every single year, year after year.
0: Got it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very
1: much.